Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Now today, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. I spoke there the other day, a couple of weeks ago. See, Jesus preached this sermon a couple thousand years ago. And uh, you know what? I believe if he came back and spoke one night, he'd use this same text, Brother Wade. I think he'd use the same scripture and say the same things. I don't think he'd change one word in the Sermon on the Mount. Because he dealt with so many different things in that one sermon. And of course, the people said, you sure do sound different from these other preachers that, that we've heard and these other religious leaders that we've heard. But in that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke to, the, to every part of the culture. The message was relevant to every part of the culture. He dealt with things that were relevant with every part of the culture. And because of the power of that message, it has affected people up to this very hour. So I want you to look at the, the passage we're so honored to have our guest with us today. And if you are here as a first-time guest, we have a beautiful family Bible to give you at the end of the service. So don't you go until you get that Bible. For those of you that have been underlining Bibles, if you still have some, please get them up here today. Uh, we, we had, uh, I think, about 1,300 picked up. And we had, I believe, 700 had been returned. But we're going to give that Bible. The, the people that make decisions this week will have the only Bible in existence where all the scriptures having to do from Genesis to Revelation are underlined that God is alive. He was alive in Genesis. He is alive in Revelation. And it's just hundreds of scriptures that you've made possible. And I promise you, they're going to cherish this Bible. So you just pray that people come. You be here. And we'll see what the Lord has in store for us. Now, let's get back to the text. I'm entitling the message today, Righteousness and Imperative. That Bible that I'm going to give you, if you're coming out here to the library, I'm right across the, the hallway. Just come in there when the service is over and pick up that family Bible. If you're watching on television here in Houston, come over and see us one Sunday. We'd love to have you here, and we'd like to give you a Bible as well. But uh, the name of the message, Righteousness and Imperative. We're going to talk about righteousness. Is none righteous? No, not one. Yes, there's one. That's him. Righteousness is a word that we don't use a lot, and maybe we don't really understand it, but Jesus referred to it over and over and over in his Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to show you that this morning because righteousness is the reward that God gives to the obedient, those that trust him as Savior, those that ask him to come into their life with all the powers of darkness that are working against them, God comes into their life. That's righteousness. And then lives his life through them. And for people to understand, Jesus broke it down throughout his earthly ministry. But I want to show you in this one sermon how he used it and how it affects what's going on right here, right now, even in this hour. As we, that are here this morning, get ready for the service tonight, that we have these last minutes to get ready ourselves for God to just fill us to such incredible proportion that even people that sit around us and don't even know us will feel something of the presence of God in this place. 
And it won't be a bad feeling. It'll be a good feeling. I promise you. So I want you to listen. I'm going to let you be seated because I want you to, if, if you can, underline the word righteousness in these brief passages. They'll go up on the screen as well. But listen, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus started with the Beatitudes. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are they that mourn. Happy are the meek. And listen to what he says. Blessed are happy are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. And then I want you to look in the 10th verse. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says here, again, blessed, happy are you when you're persecuted for doing right. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now then, go to verse 20. For I say unto you, Jesus speaking, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. In other words, if you're just doing good for your own gain and so that you'll be happy or, or whatever, he said, you're wasting your time. He said, that's what the world does. And so he says, if, you're, if your righteousness does not exceed that kind of righteousness, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. Now go to the sixth chapter. Sixth chapter, verse 33. <clears throat> but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. And then in the 13th chapter, verse 43. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. One more time on that verse. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let me just open with a sentence that I believe to be true. I believe today that people seek happiness and not righteousness. I think that people today want to be happy, but they don't know what happy is. They, they want to get out from under some of the stress and the anger and the bitterness that, that they're dealing with or whatever. But when you seek happiness, let me tell you something, if you catch it or if you find it, happiness is temporary. I mean, you go to a football game, it has a difference to where a football goes. You know, one, mo one moment, you, you know, you're just about to score, then you fumble. And it's back and forth, back and forth. That's the way life is. That's the way life is. Happiness is temporary. But righteousness is eternal. He is the righteous one. He lives in us. He that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. And so the righteousness that we are invited to partake of is something we can take with us. We don't get a monthly bill. You don't have limited time or, or you have to pay more, you know. You have unlimited access to God. You have the power that's given to him. He uses that power to protect us from the evil one and to 
uh, be our blocker, so to speak, against the forces of darkness, and he is the light as we go out into a dark world. Now, I want to ask you a question, and I ask myself every question I ask you, I've already asked myself. And the question is this, have you ever reached a level of testing in your life when you were unwilling to go with God any further? Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt like, I've come to church enough? I thought if I came to church 10 times that I'd have my home back together again, and I'm here 12 times, I'm going somewhere else and doing something else. Have you ever come to anything in your life, any challenge, when God made it clear, this is what I want you to do, be patient. They that wait on the Lord. Have you ever been there? Now, some of you look real spiritual, like you don't know what I'm talking about. Will you forgive me and let me talk to the rest of us? There are times in the life, I believe, of every believer when it looks like the world's got it right this time and God just missed out on it. In other words, he's not relevant today. Now, it was okay for my grandma and my grandpa, but they were just old folks. They didn't know much, but see, I got a computer now, and I, I just, I've learned it all, and I don't think so. Well, I want to confess to you, those times have come in my life, and I really believe they've come in your life, if you've walked very long. The devil is so smart. Only God is smarter than Satan. He can make it appear so good. So good. I think it's quite erroneous, but really it's more amusing to me than it is erroneous. Did you ever hear the word happy hour? <laughs> happy hour. You're lucky if it lasts that long. <laughs> because that happy hour is followed by sometimes hours, weeks, months, and years sometimes of agony because of happiness. I mean, because of happy hour. Let me tell you, righteousness lasts for eternity. When a person is righteous, God doesn't walk out on them. But, but, but this happy, 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 I listen to a voice on the radio quite often, and a lot of you do. He's a Southern Baptist. He's on every day, Houston radio. Every Friday, he tries to talk everybody in Houston to getting a beer on the way home. Every Friday, it seems like it. It always comes up. He'll stop by, get you a cool one, pop a top, blah, 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 blah. Now, is that what Houston needs is a bunch of one-third drunk drivers? If it takes three beers to make you drunk, one to make you a third drunk, don't you need coming home on Friday afternoon for all the people on the freeway to be one-third drunk? I don't think so. I don't think that's the answer for a good city, okay? Because you see that first one leads to that second one, which leads to that third one, which leads to divorce, immorality, and on and on in uh, driving while angry, accidents. Almost got the breakdown, but I hit the one in front of me who sits six more, and people are lined up for four hours to try to get by. But we're having happy hour. We're having a good time. That's not righteousness. That's temporary insanity is what that is. Our sinful nature takes control, and then it leads us from one disaster to the next, and to the next. But I want to submit something to you. I believe with all my heart that if we, as individuals, would hunger for righteousness, I believe that most of our problems would get solved. You say, well, you're just naive. 
I could be, but I still believe that. I, I really believe that what I can't solve, God can. I, I believe that if I can't handle it, God can handle it. I believe when I can't say no and turn and go the other way, God is strong enough to grab me by the hand and lead me away from that situation. It's going to be horrendous for the rest of my life. But our sinful nature takes control. We go from one disaster to the next to the next. One financial failure to the next to the next. One broken relationship from next to next. And then all kinds of problems. You see, when the, when the demons of Satan invade a marriage, let's say, they remain there in an attempt to control both the husband and the wife. And that can lead to make one bad decision after another. And the results are heartbreaking. To the family, it attacks the husband and wife relationship. It affects the children. In, in a family, it affects the finances. It affects our health. It affects our emotions. Our anger begins to rise up. Our bitterness comes. Our immorality begins to take over our righteousness or our immorality. And there's drunkenness at times. And yes, there's even suicide. This week a plane went down, 150 people were killed. I've watched the news 35, 40 times. It said the pilot had some problems in a relationship the day before with his girlfriend. And, two, and 150 people are dead today. What I'm talking about today is relevant. We need a people to rise up in our world, in our nation, in our city, and, and that is that will follow the Lord with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul. And we'll be willing to trust God even when we don't understand God's ways. Seek first, Matthew 6, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these good things will be added unto you. If we want the bad to become good, we've got to quit seeking happiness and start seeking righteousness. And when that happens, the rest of it begins to happen. Now let me tell you what awakening. We're calling this week a resurrection awakening. Awakening is when you wake up to see what's really going on, and in that moment, when you see what's going on and where you fit into the picture, you decide, are you in the right place or are you in the wrong place? When a hurricane is coming and you live on the coast, you look for the evacuation route to get away from the rising tides, okay? If you look out today and see something happening in the families and in this nation and to our kids, if you see a problem there, and a tide rising, and it's not getting better and better, then a wise person would look for a way of escape. And the Bible says when you look for it, you will find it. You will find it. When we go through trials, we have two choices. We can, we can handle it by what we see, or we can handle it by our faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. What you see today, we see the sun outside. Tonight, the sun won't be there. We see the moon, the next morning, the moon won't be there. 
But when you see him, he never leaves and he never forsakes us. When you look for a doctor, let me ask you a question. If you had your pick, got two kind of doctors. This doctor treats symptoms. This doctor treats your disease. What would be your favorite doctor? You want to get rid of the symptoms or you want to get rid of the disease? Now, see, a lot of people treat the symptoms spiritually. I've got to, I'm going to treat the symptom. I'm going to not do that quite so much, and I'm going to do that a little bit more, and I'm going to up my giving 1%, well, maybe a half a percent this year because I do have some things. And, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to cut down my number of fares, and I'm not going to go through these boyfriends quite as quick as I do or these girlfriends or whatever. I mean, I'm going to do it in moderation. Or you can say, you know what? I'm just going to turn, and I'm going to start another life. I'm going to repent. I'm going for righteousness. What Jesus said. Real quickly, since many today refuse to deal with the cause, only with the symptoms, the Bible doesn't talk about the symptoms as much as it does about the, about the real cause. So let me just quickly talk about, about three things. Number one, the family. You know what a family is? It's a collection of sinners. <laughs> Young ones, old ones, big ones, little ones. Some that are in-laws and married into it, but they're all just a bunch of sinners. And yes, they're supposed to be in one accord. That's not easy. Somebody's got to bring them together. But let me ask you a question. Now, this is, uh, this is rhetorical, but I want you to ask, answer it yourself. You think there's a problem with the families in America today? Is there any, is there, do you think maybe families have, don't even know what a family is? Do you think that there could be some confusion when you say, well, I, you know, I'm a little concerned of what's happening to the families in, a, in America. Well, now, I already said there, there are a bunch of sinners together, but you know what? God's got a purpose for every one of those little sinners in the family. But a lot of folks do not know what a family is. Could I just help you with that? Because the Lord thought you, we'd get confused, so he started it in Genesis chapter 2. All right? Verse 24, Therefore shall a man, a man, leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his W-I-F-E wife, and they shall be one flesh. Is that confusing? That's the way a family gets started. One man, one woman, become one, and then comes children. Those children are born in original sin. That's the reason you never have to teach them to be bad. They will all come that way including your nephew and your nieces and your grandchildren. They all are sinners. The first earthly institution on the planet by the God that created the heavens and the earth was a family. When the family falls apart, everything else is going to fall apart. And all you have to do is wake up, if you want to close your Bible and watch television and see what is going on, you can see it this week like you can every other week, when you've got tens of thousands of young people on the beaches of America looking at the camera and using the worst of profanity as a direct insult to their mother and their father. 
while they are throwing their life away and they will suffer for the rest of their life for what's going on down there. But they could care less about their parents. You've got eight-year-old kid, kids telling their mama to shut their mouth and no dad at home to take care of that situation. What's happened? We've lost our families. When you lose the family as God created it, you lose everything around the family. And for us to just sit back and say, I just don't understand what's going on. We've got to get a new president. We've got to get a new this. We've got to do it. We've got to deal with this ISIS. No, we've got to deal with the family first. We've got to have dads that will say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And young man, if you're going to date my daughter, you're going to go to church with her. She's not going out with you when the church is doing something because our family is going to serve the Lord. Now, that's strong preaching, folks, and I know a lot of you don't like that, but it's the absolute truth. When we lose our families, we lose our nation. For all of us to just sit back and do nothing will be a tragedy. Before a man and a woman become one flesh, they need to seek God and his righteousness. The Bible says don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. There is no such thing as missionary dating. Our mission pastor is right here in front of me, but there is no such thing as missionary dating. Oh, he's lost, but I'm going to win him. We're going to be, in fact, he promised to come to church with me Easter. Uh-uh. No, no, no. That's not the way it works. Not at all. God has told us very, very, very clearly. We either seek happiness or we seek righteousness. They're not the same. But when two people seek happiness and temporary pleasure rather than God, they set themselves up to be the victims of the devourer. And rather than the recipients of the blessings of God that are eternal, they look for temporary happiness, a temporary relationship, a temporary situation. That is not God's plan. Romans 4, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. How exciting. And children deserve a father who will provide for them, protect them from the evil one, fill them with the righteousness of God, and they can watch him and how he loves their mother and understand this is how God loves me. You know, a righteous man is a blessing that all that know him. But if you're set up in life to, to experience, uh, just go through experiences, temporary joy, highs or whatever, you're in for a lot of trouble. Experimenting with that is holding a time bomb in your hand. But righteousness frees us from the power and the punishment and yes, ultimately even from the presence of sin. That's called the rapture. Sin separates us from God but a desire for righteousness is a desire to be right with God. Let me very quickly talk about our nation. The Bible is clear on that. I want you to look at it. Do you think America is hungering after righteousness? I don't think so. But I know what Proverbs 14, 34 said, the wise Solomon, King Solomon says, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I just throw the question out there, you answer them. Do you think that, that something is seriously wrong with America? Yes. You don't have to answer out loud, just, just you know, just whatever. Let me ask you this, how long has it been going on? Since Adam and Eve. 
This thing, sin, that we're dealing with in America, it didn't just show up. It's bound, been around here from the, the moment that God made man. But you know what Proverbs 14, 34 says? It is a reproach to any people. What do you think is America's problem? Immigration? The economy? ISIS? No, righteousness. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. And so we have to stop and say, you know, what is America's position on the sanctity of life? America's position. How would you see our nation if you didn't live in America and you read how many millions of babies we kill every year because of those momentary happy pleasures and then a baby is conceived and is taken out of the womb shortly and thousands upon thousands every, every day. I ask you a question. What does America think as a nation about the sanctity of human life? That is, a, that is a realistic question to a people that are seeking righteousness. If you're not seeking righteousness, it makes you mad as a hornet. But if you're seeking righteousness, you understand that God believes that the little ones are the greatest in the kingdom of God. And he has said in his book, you touch my little ones and I will deal with your nation. And we need to look very carefully at America and pray for America and pray for those that we put in leadership. Psalm 127.3 says, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. What is America's position on marriage? The Bible says very clearly, I read it to you a while ago, Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they'll be one flesh. What's America's position on prayer? The Bible says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. What's our position on prayer? How easy is it to pray today in the public places? What's America's position? Is it in God we trust or is that just a, something we put on, on our money and we hadn't wore those bills out, but when the next one come out, we're going to leave it off. What is our position? Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. This is not a political statement. doesn't matter who's the president now or who was or who's going to be. I just asked this question. What would happen if you went home this afternoon and live television all over the world, the president of the United States called America to humble themselves and pray and see God's face and turn from their wicked ways? What would the night programs be like tonight? What would you see on Facebook in the next 30 seconds after that came up? What would you see? You know exactly what you would see. But we have to understand that God is a righteous God who's looking for a righteous people who will rightly do what he wants done in order that he can prepare the world for the second return of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we will be in that perfect world where there is no more sin and there even is no more temptation. Praise God. No more temptation. 2 Timothy 3.16 is clear. But what does America think about the scriptures? It says all scriptures given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. This Bible, according to Paul, writing to young Timothy, said this is the book that teaches me and you how to be righteous. Well, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Let me close by talking about we as individuals and as a church. To desire righteousness means one thing. It means to be right 
I want to be right with God. I desire to be right with God. God says, I want you to be right because my plans are messed up if you don't get right with me. I can't use you in the bigger picture till you get right with me. I, that's when you practice in, in sports, you know, the linemen go over here, the quarterback's over here, the punter's over here. Everybody's working what? To try to get the team together. But everybody's got to get their responsibility. But this world is controlled by sin. And we want to be free, or we should want to be free, from sin. To be righteous is to long to be like Jesus. We sing a song, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. That's all I ask, is to be like him. What does it mean to hunger and thirst after righteousness? What does that mean? Psalm 42 says, As the heart pants after the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. You remember the prodigal son? When the prodigal son got hungry, he wanted to go out and use his force. He said, give me what's mine. I want to go out and enjoy myself. He was hungry. He wanted some entertainment. He wanted to enjoy himself. The Bible says he ended up in a hog pen. So when he was hungry, he ended up eating with the hogs. But you know what? Things changed. When he got to where he was starving, he said, back in my father's house, the servants eat better. I'm going home to my father. That's the difference in righteousness and happiness. Happiness will lead you to the hog pen. But when you're starving for real life, it'll lead you to the father. And the father, if you remember that story, he didn't come back and say, well, I'll tell you what, I'm putting you on probation for a while because I can't trust you. He saw something in his son. He said, here, Take this ring. And he gave him his American Express credit card. He said, we're going to have a party for you, but we're not going to get drunk, and we're not going to act like animals. We're going to have a real celebration because you were lost, but now you're found. Come on home. That's what God wants for us. That's what this whole week is about. This is not another church gathering to come enjoy some songs and, and get a few thoughts to write down in your Bible that you could use sometimes on your lost brother-in-law that, uh, you know, you want to witness to. That's not what this is about. This is about me. It's about you getting right with God and start to seek righteousness instead of happiness and be able to say, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. As for my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I can, I can guarantee you if the families of Sage My Church ever took a stand with their children, our children are going to put God first and deal with that and whatever that affects, it would change everything that you're touching. So, I want you to bow your head and I want you to close your eyes. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. But season's about over. The way you know you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness, if you haven't found peace and love and joy and fulfillment and purpose in your life, you can find it at the open tomb. As the resurrected Lord says, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you. You've got work to do. Righteousness 
will change your family. It'll change your friend's life. It'll change the nation. It'll change everything you touch. But it's got to be righteousness, not happiness that you're looking for. So I'm going to encourage you now as we sing to just get right. If you want to come to the altar and just kneel here and pray for somebody, including yourself, maybe, or maybe you just want to come and pray for someone else. You have written the words. Many of you have written, almost 2,000 of you have written down the name of somebody. You wrote it down twice. You kept one and you, and you put another one on the altar. All, all those have been picked up. So whoever's name you wrote down, if you've prayed for them, there's been somebody else pray for them as well. We want them to come. But when they come, I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready to receive them and say, I've already done my business with the Lord. And so as we are going to sing and you get a chance to come now and say, I'm going to get ready even this morning because tonight I want so much. God, just bring me, bring me to the person you want me to bring to church tonight. But I just want so much for a member of my family to come or a friend or somebody that you really care about. But let's take care of business this morning. And so we can come in tonight with great expectancy. I pray that every seat will be filled. We have two overflow auditoriums prepared, and I hope we need them. But if God shows up, I don't want you to be somewhere else. And God will meet you wherever you are and take you to where he wants to take you. So would you this morning just bring your burden to the Lord and leave it here? Would you just come and say, God, I'm going to be the one in my family. We're fighting and fussing, but I'm, I'm going to quit telling my mate that they're wrong. I'm going to say, I'm wrong. Not if I'm wrong, I am wrong. I have sinned, and I want to be forgiven, and I want my marriage healed. I want my relationship with a friend healed. I want to break off this relationship because it's, it's destroying you and me, and God will take and cleanse you, and he'll remember that sin no more. If you need to trust Christ as Savior today, I want you to make that decision. We're going to open up the Connection Center, the big lobby back under the, that terrace. You go out here in the hallways, and when you go in there, the people say, what decision are you going to make? Decision number one, I want to trust Christ as my Savior. Decision number two, I've trusted Christ as Savior, but I want to be baptized. Decision number three, I've been baptized, I've trusted Christ, I want to make Sagemont my church home. Those three things. If you want someone to pray with you, look for someone in a red shirt, our VIPs. Just go to them and ask them to pray for you. Would you do that? Father, I pray now that as we sing and as we wait, that we'll understand how anxious you are to see. Because, God, I know you've limited yourself. We can't limit you. You can break through any barrier. But you've told us in your word that we've got to humble ourselves. And then we've got to pray before you've promised that you'll show up. And so I'm asking you, dear God, to remove anything out of my life that is not, a, not appealing unto you, it's not your will, it's not your purpose. And I pray, dear God, that you will just hear the prayers of all your children as we confess and as we repent. And then, Father, would you just let us see people come to you for the first time in salvation and in baptism. Would you, God, do it to your glory? In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.